Hi, I'm Marina Sirtis, and you're going boldly with Beyond Trek Podcast. This is Beyond Trek Podcast, your source for Star Trek on social media and around the web. I'm Big J. I'm Watney. And I'm Dag, the Trivia Master. You can find us on Facebook at Beyond Trek Podcast and on Twitter at Beyond Trek Pod. Oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy. It's a, we've got a Romulan infiltrator. I mean, I guess you can say what the theme of today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And that's the, the theme is uh, today for Beyond Trek podcast. And by the way, first, I'm Big J here with Watney and Dag in disguise, like robots in disguise, Dag in disguise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and this episode is about Cersei and Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Spoilers, of course. Spoiler. If you followed us this far, you don't need the warning because you've already seen the show. But if you haven't seen the show, well, mm-hmm. you know, too bad. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be talking about the Star Trek version of the Game of Thrones characters, <laughs> Cersei mm-hmm. and Jamie Lannister, and uh, it's Romulan night tonight. So we're going to be talking about oh, my favorite night. the the siblings, the salacious siblings, Salacious and Narissa. Yes, it's a great word. <laughs> how, how do you? Uh, okay, does anyone here speak Romulan or understand Romulan? Do you know uh, what is Romulan for the phrase "Sweet Home Alabama"? Because that was playing that was playing in my head every time there was a scene with with these two, but. You know, um, there there is a Romulan language website out there, but it's not well spoken. <laughs> Alabama being a proper noun is probably still the same. Okay. Yeah, just like Ryan. 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 Um, Ryan. Yeah. This this today we're talking about our favorite Wonder Twins. Um, I'm pretty sure they're tw- they're twins, right? They talk I, about them no. twins. No, no, really? I, right, right. Uh, I am ninety nine percent sure they are not twins because, and I don't remember. I, I want to say that Narissa is younger than Narek. I, I could swear there was. Narek's younger than her. She says little brother. Okay, she does. I'm sorry, uh, but I, I do recall that one yeah. of them made that reference as to one was the younger sibling. Now. Sure, you can get technical and say, well, you could say that about a twin because one's coming out first. I mean, I don't think I've seen two twins come shooting out simultaneously. If, if that's even, that's not possible. <sighs> Is that another bad women's anatomy thing? I mean, it's not simultaneous. Let's move on. Okay. Already. <laughs> we, we, we moving on. Already. Oh, boy. What a okay. start. Can so, we please go back to so Buzzy. We're going to rewind it. With Harry Treadaway. <laughs> As Kryon, aka yeah. Merrick, aka the self-proclaimed Jat Vash reject. He calls himself um, that? Uh I I think that's a quote. I didn't do my due diligence, but at some point on the cube near the end, um, yeah. when when he's talking to her in her little crow's nest, he says, I'm gonna do this, I have to do this, I'm the Jat Vash reject of the Jat Vash dropout. Uh, I just felt like Jot Vosh Reject, probably a really good band name. So I want to Jot Vosh Reject. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe I was wrong. Sure. I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, it is. It's a good name for a band. Um, yeah, he gets yeah. infinitely better after he gets in that little snakehead ship and shuts the fuck up. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not that I don't actually. I I think he's okay. Like, sure, he is a seriously idiotic, abusive person to Soji again this is a story there are going mm -hmm. to be people like this within narratives to create yep. conflict and be shitty so you know he's not a good guy yeah that's it that's great but we're talking more about the nuance of these characters and um things we liked and didn't like so yep. just keep that in mind now he has two very strong relationship connections in Picard. That's with Soji and with Narissa. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about Soji kind of sort of first. Um, but, you know, who really is Narek? Nobody knows because we didn't get a lot of screen time with him that really digged into him alone. His on-screen time was always set up against Soji or Narissa or helping our four heroes take down the synth installation at the end i yeah, take it that he's just an operative like just some cia type undercover tall shiar for sure tall shiar yeah, right he he like i mean isn't the jot vash all women yes it wasn't that okay. scene it wasn't what it was in the scene that we got of the admonition flashback okay well okay I know that Commodore O is like, I don't have faith in your choice, Nerissa, yeah. of operatives. And she's like, he will get the job done. So it's like, Nerissa's kind of like, you know, she grew up with Auntie. She grew up with like all these people around her. And Narek was kind of like the little brother who was just like playing on the swing set while they like did rituals with rocks. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Can that, you, do, like, did Romulans even have swing sets? Like, what did Romulan just children humor play me, with? Big J. Okay, all Will right. You? I'm just saying. <laughs> Romulan he, he, swing sets are socially distanced. Yeah, and I think, like, I said this earlier, like, way early in our episode reviews of Picard, that he wasn't attracted to the job. The job was made for somebody like him if that makes sense because he's such a sociopath that he can well really psychopath because he like tries to kill her um mm -hmm. i hesitate to say clean cut sociopath because he obviously has emotions i just think that he's like i don't know he's so hard to like really trope up he's not really a trope you know he's like you, you kind of root for him at the end because you're like, okay, yeah, I mean, you're kind of right. This whole thing is going to kill everybody, and it's, it's a very sympathetic kind of dude. Do you guys he's... agree? Yeah, I was kind of agreeing with you. I was thinking, like, he's the thing everybody reacts against or towards. He He's not... He doesn't seem to have a whole lot of his agency other than where the narrative tells him to be. I mean, especially, you know, as we'll we'll get to in the end, he just disappears. The narrative doesn't need him anymore. So he's he's just there to to supply the narrative. In his scenes. I yeah. feel right. like they, there... all the characters are they all feel like him a little bit. Like you don't really get to know any of them. And this was another 
along with like answering some questions about Soji and Dodge on Instagram. Um, Michael Shabon also answered on his Instagram stories what happened to Narek at the end of the show. And I can't say I'm particularly a fan of wrapping things up in a 10 second text on social media, but he basically said, yeah, Narek, we know, we know a casualty of the editorial process. Alas, he's blaming editing for leaving him out. The intention was for him to be taken into Federation custody. So that's, that's, I guess, what we know. And I'm sure we will see him again at some point. Um, I hope we do, because at the end, he got more, got a lot more interesting when he started to kind of yeah. like buddy up with the main crew. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I think that's one of those things that we don't have to see it on screen to strongly infer that that's what happened. I, I think, yes, obviously he got taken in custody, custody, but, um, and not to jump ahead, but, I, I did see an article that uh, that stated he would not be returning for season two. Now that's just season two, but I and that's so far, right? Right, that's that's so far. But I I do not believe I believe that storyline is going to be completely like that was season one, and that's it. No no retread of of character or story from season one besides possibly the uh, Picard and the uh, the Gollum thing. But yeah, with, with Narek, I just, I don't see, like Dag said, uh, with, with his agency, it was just his, his scenes were, uh, moving the plot forward that and flirting with his sister. So, or, or really the, the other way around. It was very one-sided. Yeah. Yeah. It was very one-sided. Yeah. Okay. So that, now that you say that and point that out, that makes it even more creepier, but <laughs> I think he like had been dealing with this from her for a a while and I'm sure like he was just like oh well playing doctor I I know how to I know how to like play the situation to still get what I need to do which is to my end goal is to like get Soji's brain to unlock or whatever so Mm -hmm. um I think he was used to just playing people. He's always done that. And then I think when he kind of realized that at the end that everything was going to actually happen and it wasn't just like something his crazy sister and her friends were talking about for so long. Like he was like, oh yeah, I have to actually do something about this. So. Yeah. Um, I, I think he was there uh, on one hand to give Soji the trauma that would lead her to doubt reality and push her more towards the synth cause. And I think he was there to give uh, Nerissa something familiar, but also malleable to play with in sort of a a Zula Zuko kind of way. If you've seen uh, that really old show no one's heard of, Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm. um yeah have a what the last what yeah lose mercs <laughs> in space i don't know um but yeah he he really is just there to i the the, the phrase that's repeating in my head he's the spring ball court everybody goes in there to beat on him but he doesn't really do anything except exist to get beat on poor guy you know his primary relationship in the show First time we see him, he gives a sob story about a brother to Soji. 
and then the next time we see them, they're in the sack together. Weird. That was fast. Yeah. Hookups, um, a hookups, a hookup. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of this of this pseudo relationship before he tried to kill her? Was there anything that was like, this can work out to you? Can I go um, first? No, Watney, yeah, I'll defer go, to Watney. No, 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 no. You mm -mm. go ahead. I know better. I'm getting my thoughts together. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go so um, to me, this was, it started out as, as a mission. You need to get her guard down, get close to her, uh, exploit the vulnerabilities, et cetera, et cetera. And like any other undercover job or, or mission, you're not supposed to to fall for the mark that that is the job that's what you need to do and i think that he ended up not being able to to compartmentalize those things and yes he went into it knowing that okay i have to get close to her i've got to get her guard down i've got a job to do but as as that time went i think just the the nature of what he needed to do to accomplish that is he's he's opening himself up and it wasn't just pretend he actually got to where he was uh, he he had feelings for her and and that developed and he didn't really he wasn't really pushing her to the uh to the satisfaction of o and uh, commodore o and nerissa um and I want to think that part of that is because he, he, he quickly developed this, this relationship with her and all the while in the back of his mind, he, he knows that this is going to come to an end and it's going to mean, uh, her, her, her death and destruction, but yet he has to open himself up in order to get to that, to that point. So. Yes, very, very much. He started off knowing what the job was, what the mission was, but then it went, it went to where he actually, actually had those, had those feelings for her. So that, that's, that's what mm -hmm. I think. And I, I, I think, yes, if in a, in a different world, if she wasn't a mark and there wasn't this, this mission that they could have, you know, they could have had something. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he doesn't really know. He's not particularly well adjusted. <laughs> I mean, he's anytime Soji is like wanting to be serious with him or talk about things or like, here's what I'm feeling and dealing with. He's always like never what she needs from him. You know, he's like, he becomes like aloof whenever she needs to be serious. And whenever she is wanting to like focus on other something other than him he starts telling her he loves her like it's i don't think he knows how to like really do anything but manipulate and it's i'm sad that we're not going to see that change in him throughout the story um, yeah it would be nice to get a redemptive arc from him on that front yeah i think they did like a barely like a kind of eh job like we'll see of that. that they, they the... tried to like turn that engine over but it was stalling for the redemption yeah. of him yeah 
I saw that that redemptive thing at the end to be more about the enemy of my enemy. And that was it. It was a survival thing. Yeah, it, it, it was. And, and and truly, every organic should have been on the same side in that situation with the with it coming down to the wire like that. And, um, you know, I don't know. He's it, it sucks. We didn't get to see him getting taken into Federation custody if that was the very last time we were going to see him. Because then it's like, OK, bye move on but as it is it's like okay he did a couple roundhouse kicks and then that's it then he got yeeted then he was yeeted <laughs> yeeted from the story yes. yeeted. as Shavon said he was edited yeeted yeeted mm-hmm. just go with that <laughs> I invented a new word like Cthulhu <laughs> oh yeah no see yeah and Watney when you were talking about how anytime she seems to want to focus on something else he is like reeling her in on a line and and the bottom two gifts here are very that's very clear she's she's having an emotionally taxing moment and all he can do to to try and get her out of that is to kiss her and be like i'm falling in love with you and it's like wait (laughs) stop and listen jerk (laughs) Yeah. yeah Then the it's, whole fucking let's go run barefoot through the war cube thing is really stupid to me. You didn't like the running barefoot through the through the cube? Wasn't that romantic? Running bare you through, have been barefoot saying, through a war cube is the name of an autobiography oh my that's God. waiting to happen. For someone that's always talking about you, you like the, the romance and the slow burn, I thought you would have liked that scene very much. No, and, that's corny. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't like well, corny, period, at all. You might as well eh. play, can you feel the love tonight? yes <laughs> okay so uh now what you were what you were saying about that about that dag about him kind of so why why did he do that if if she was having if soji was having that moment you know emotional moment why would he why would he cut her off and like redirect it isn't that kind of what his mission is to, to get her to trust him. to that point I think it's to get her to trust him, but also at the same time, I think he he might have deep down been panicking, like, what if she starts to activate? What am I going to do? Because I don't have and her in the so room yet. He would totally, like, grab her attention away from <laughs> the things that are messing with her and take it directly just... to something about him that she can focus on that that takes her away from that moment. Right. I know. And he was like, quiet. Here's my lips. Okay, sorry. We'll move yeah. on to the next gift. The, the, yeah. the room. <laughs> uh, it is that very much. It's like, I'm going to center you here and now because I know that you're infatuated with me. And um, she's going to view it as, oh, wow, he comforts me during these trying times. And oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's unfortunately not comfort. It's distraction. And it's mm-hmm. for a covert reason. Like, it, it's not like, okay, let's sit down and talk about yourself your your higher brain activating <laughs> let's, let's, let's sit down and have a conversation that's gonna lead you to realize that i may not be who i say mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so obviously he's gonna try and 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 distract her but part of me like thinks oh is this him being um is this him being a smooth operator or is this him really just being 
fucking fucking idiot in a relationship because we start to think that he cares about her you know we start to think we start to think about that because he almost like couldn't kill her he almost like he gets out of there and starts to cry and you're like i think he actually started to care about her so i just think they're they're both extremely immature and they're like this is their first thing you know (laughs) well and i don't don't think that he started to care about her at that point i i really think that 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 happened a lot earlier than we think i I don't think that his his caring started when they walked into this room here when he knew that this was going to be a one-way ticket for her I th- before that happened. That's just my thought. That's my feeling. I, ju- I just think that those feelings were already there before, well before we got to this point with the tiki torch candles. In this room. <laughs> Based on the thoughts you both have shared, it almost feels like he was trying to manage her activation. And there were times where, where she'd escalate a little bit faster and he'd center her. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah, she yeah, yeah. she she'd think about something else, mm-hmm. and he'd bring her back to to her her history and her past. And she sort of stumbled along these breadcrumbs until she discovered she's only got a three year history, and now she's panicking. And okay, I'm going to take you through this meditation. And the goal of that was to identify the location of the synth planet. And once they had that clue about the two red moons and the lightning she was expendable for the cause and he had to weigh his infatuation with her against the cause. And of course the cause is the eradication of biological life. Right. So at this point it's okay to activate her because he's just going to kill her anyway. But what he fails to realize is that she could beat up Mike Tyson in about two seconds and she destroys this floor to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Because he's the genius that took her in a room with hardwood floors like, you know, oh, you right? jackass. You, you, okay, so she's not going to be able to get through that. Come on. And where on a board? I think cube he wanted her I... to get out. Oh, you think? Yeah. Were you about to ask where on a board cube are you going to find lumber like that? Where, well, I mean, you could obviously replicate it, but, you know, who goes to this kind of artifact and is like, oh, by the way, I need my standard issue, standard issue Romulan meditation room, okay? Yeah. Well, they had a bar. Every bar cube means a temple. Yeah. And not just that, but uh, a, a Romulan meditation room that's off the sensors. It's like, been here for how long, though? Like, 14 they've years. Been, the, they've been on the cube that long. Of course, they're going to install like a little tiny studio sure, yeah, size thing. That's justifiable. There's some creature conference that you want. Okay. Right. Because there are a lot of th- staff living there. I mean, this, 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 this is a long term reclamation project so if you're going to have people here and scientists or, or whatever you're probably not going to just put them in a, a bunch of the half-assed created bunk beds you know it's after that amount of times well hey let's just make this place livable because we're probably going to be here for a while and sure enough 14 years later yeah we're still doing this i'm, I'm sure over time they added some things that added some amenities because if, if you're going to, and I, I'm sure that didn't start right away. There was probably a lot of, let's do a minimalist thing because we don't know if these drones are all going to suddenly become active. And I think as time went along, they sort of got a little more comfortable and okay, this is, we're going to do this thing, but you know, we need to actually make this place livable because it's not going to be an office. People aren't going to be coming and going. 
So yeah, within the span of that, that decade plus that, uh, this, this cube has been getting, uh, investigated and, and looked at, et cetera. Sure. They have, they have bar there. There's quarters, meditation room. Sure. Why not? There's gotta be a bocce ball set somewhere there also. Why not? Yeah, have People are yeah. living, working on it and they're, yeah, there's. It's a spaceship, just like any yeah. kind of Federation ship. There's going to be like things to make living there bearable. So you're not in the cold board cube that you don't realize you're in. Right. Yeah. You can't imagine and living a sleeping in a board cube. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Where in a board cube can I find the heater? It's freezing on here. Not only that, but like, like Soji has her own huge room. I think everybody has that. That's how big the cube is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it's like anyway. three kilometers square. Yeah. Three cubic kilometers. Huge. Yeah, it's a lot. It's huge. Well, you think she'd have um, to settle for a studio? No, she's the main <laughs> character. She um, might as well have pink hair. Yeah, so after uh after Picard and Soji escape, the only recourse that Narek has is to follow this La Serena around in cloak. Uh, until he gets to the the synth planet, and the next time he sees Soji, he's locked up after crashing on at Copernicus Station. Mm-hmm. And again, here he only serves to be the 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 spring ball court that she bounces off again. And instead of you know bouncing towards him, she this is where she does her full commitment to the synth cause and gives him up yeah and even though i don't really agree with soji wanting to eradicate biological life i think she did the right thing here she just was like nope and that was good i like that i think he actually was serious like for sure i would say so in his way he meant those words. Yeah, he's still, he's like Orson Elnor when it comes to feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't imagine Romulans really being the, uh, the, the gold standard for feelings. Really? Because they're kind of the more emotional part of Vulcans. Like they are the, Vul- they're, they're Vulcans with feelings. Yes. Well, yes, there is that. However, Romulan, it seems like their their entire lifestyle, it. well, their whole lifestyle and culture is is based upon suspicion, suspicion oh, and um, in the shadows and, and and covert. I mean, for God's sakes, they have their inside name and their outside name. It runs that deep where uh, any any anyone on the you know off planet doesn't know your, your quote unquote real name. It's, it's just, I think that their, their people and their culture is so ingrained in that, that secrecy and that That's... keeping things close to your chest, that something like being able to express, <clears throat> excuse me, express or explore your feelings like that is, is not typical. Now I'm not, and I'm not saying suppressing them like Vulcans do with logic. I'm just saying that the the Romulans kind of they they take their priority is on keeping things secret and thinking that 
someone's plotting against you or, or, or whatnot, or if someone is nice to you, yeah. it's probably for a reason, et cetera. Yeah. He, and I do think like you're, you're correct. Like the, the whole reason Vulcans had to suppress their emotion was because they were Romulans that got, they kept, they just war, 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 because they're mm -hmm. like so suspicious of each other and it's like a negative negativity so much mm -hmm. um but really we only kn know about the inside outside name from Narek. there was we haven't ever heard that in canon elsewhere correct that's correct yeah. okay well i guess it makes sense for them but he's just such a oddball that it's like okay man, are you sure you're not just doing that on your own like you have an invisible friend like yeah <laughs> is this is not all in your head like i don't know we don't ever know narissa's name so <laughs> and she's talking yeah, to auntie yeah now after this Narek, uh with the help of sutra kills one of the uh one of the synths and runs off into the desert where he happens to come across our heroes um and and they get a lot of shots off on him and i really kind of like it even though <laughs> even though he's like throwing rocks at them and and rios is like why are you throwing rocks at me and he's like i have grenades i'm throwing rocks <laughs> okay what do you want to say and then he comes in and he says this piece and eldor's like right there with the blade he's like choose to live in romulan and Eric is like yes absolutely i choose to live Man, like, what i loved about that scene was was how how close Narek was a uh, how close eleanor was able to get to Narek before he realized he was there. Shoot, how close Elnor was got to Narek before Rios and Raffi saw him? Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, totally field of view, Elnor. Maybe they did see him and they were like, <laughs> Elnor, that's way too sneaky for absolute candor. You should, be, you should have a megaphone down the hall be like, I'm coming to kill you, choose to live. <laughs> Put a cowbell on this man. <laughs> totally. He just announced his presence. Like when yeah. he dropped when he dropped down and killed those Romulans on the board cube. Like he should have been like, hey guys, I'm up here. I'm gonna jump down and try to kill you. Choose to live. <laughs> the absolute candor part of Elnor is that you will know he is better than you truly when he's thrusting a sword into your neck. Like that's that's what he the utter absolute candor is to him. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I beat you, motherfucker. <laughs> um, well, and he I gets do pretty like snarky. Elnor. He gets pretty snarky with Narek in their. They're both Romulans. Mm -hmm. Which is so fucking weird because we see Romulans like they're so involved in this, and there's different groups. You know, there it's like they're. I love to see different segments of like it's societies. nice to have it's nice to have a non like a, a demographic of people instead of just this monocultural presence yes 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 an actual I culture is what we got out of the out of the romulans we get the romulans yeah. on uh the planet where they picked up elnor um we get to see the uh what are the opposite of the jadvash elnor's people oh oh the kuat lot yes thank you the co-op a lot mm -hmm. um and their kind of way we get a hint of their way mm -hmm. we get a hint of the romulans on the reclamation project um 
it, it, it was very, very cool to see a stratification there. Yes, huge. Mm-hmm. I love this more gift, of that. Like, oh, go ahead. Just seeing um, Rios and Rafi, like mom and dad. <laughs> you know, mom and uncle. Yeah, space mom, mom and uncle. And the uncle who lets you sip his beer when no one's looking. Yeah. Yes. Um, who <laughs> lets you fly a starship, but only after like yelling at you about it. Right. And yeah. he doesn't have a problem with you owning a katana. Just don't slit the throat of the guy that we need to talk to right right yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, oh. I yeah, I love his face in that. If he's like, "Don't think we won't kick your ass, dirtbag." He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I um it was an interesting thing to get these people in the room with one of one of I wouldn't say the antagonists of the series. Um, you know, for the most part, they didn't really directly have to face Bajazel. And up until this point, they had sort of just been flying around until they beamed up Picard from Nepenthe and flew through a transwarp conduit to here. So they hadn't really had one-on-one time with an antagonist until now. And it was cool to see them have the opportunity to act against him. And also just Elnor being like, oh, yeah, I know all the Jadvash myths. They're crap. Like, wait, you knew? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, here is where they plan to um, stop the synths from contacting Synthulu and in, you know, they, they sneak in all sneaky heisty style um, and somehow get super close to a bunch of synths after planting a bomb in a soccer ball. Do you and have that one? Do you have that gif? Pretty, pretty smart, honestly. There yeah. we go. I mean, the gif here sort of tries to feature Narek because this is really the last time you get to see him, but you've got Rios coming in with the soccer ball, Narek flying down like Spider-Man. No, not, not a clue how he didn't break his knees there, but... Um, <laughs> Romulan knees. Romulan you know, knees. This is, this I is wish Narek. I had some. <laughs> this is Narek's only action sequence, and as scared as he might have been on the board reclamation project of Soji activating, here he is confronting full-blown synths like they're dummies on a combat trial which he was probably for like prepping to fight them with dummies in a combat trial you think think he was on la serena like pumping some iron are you talking about you're talking about narek right yeah narek oh yeah you know he's been training his whole life to fight since for sure okay now, uh, just yeah. something I wanted to bring up about the scene, and this was just kind of kind of my own beef at first. But if you guys recall, when we did our uh, a review a month or so ago on this episode, I kind of had a problem with Narek and Elnor just dropping in and uh, getting the drop on some synth, you know, elbow here, a punch there, or spin kick. Yeah. And, it, it, and at the time I was thinking, okay, no way. You're not, you're not doing that against, uh, against a Sith. You're going to break your hand, break your foot, whatever. But then as I, as I thought about it, uh, with, with this fight, I'm, I'm cool with it. And here's why 
so when I first saw this, uh, the, the scenes I'm thinking of in my head was uh, season one, TNG, uh, the episode Data Lore, when uh, Worf ended up in the turbo lift with Lore. Yeah. And Worf gave uh, Lore a, a big backhand with everything he had, barely phased Lore. And then there was, um, was it season six, The Chase? Uh, when they were looking for the uh, those clues that led them to the the progenitors, basically the the species that planted the seeds uh, amongst the galaxy, and remember there was a, the Klingon that came to see Data in Ten Ford and was going to do the, the beer drinking <laughs> games with them, r right, right, and went to head, you know, headbutt Data, and the impact threw himself back. So I was thinking, okay, so yeah, Data and Lore they're made out of some crazy duritanium, neutronium composite, it's yada, yada, yada. You, you take a swing at, at data, you're going to break your hand because it's, it would be like punching a bulkhead. But then we get to the, the synth and I was thinking, okay, well, no, they're not, they're not constructed like that. These, these synth are essentially that, that next generation of cybernetics, they are organic. I mean, it's you're talking about bioorganic mass. So, even though they are uh, much stronger than you, it doesn't mean that, like in this scene, if you if you get the drop on them, sure, you could drill one with an elbow, a punch, and you know it's not going to hurt you. Uh, it may be they may be a little more solid than the the common person, but we're not talking the the super hard materials of, of data and lore so that that's why that yeah. when after i thought about that i said okay this this scene does make some sense that that's right there's room to say that these are not your your grand sungis androids right correct no they're, you're right they're definitely not peak human peak human but they can still be taken out with a few swings they they trade all of that durability to be able to feel and act more organically yes totally got that i, I can i can headcanon that okay oh any uh any more words on narek narek and soji before we head on off to narissa territory nope let's go to narissa nope, let's I'm, go yep i'm gonna talk about narissa and i know watney does too <laughs> yes a list as narissa um aka heavy breathing did you hear something? <laughs> um, nothing. We, if you're listening to the show, you know that we have said nothing but great things about Narissa's portrayal. Um, I don't even know if she had equal to or greater screen time than Narek, but she owned pretty much every scene she she did. She was she was a natural force mm -hmm. in in her moments. Um, when she's doing the Cersei stuff, you feel uncomfortable, and that's intentional. And so, I think the actress succeeded there. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You're right up there with Cersei and Azula, and those are two of the penultimate manipulating uh, femme fatales. She's just so much further ahead of like everyone except for seven oh, 
But this thing with her yeah. brother just weirds me out. I mean, why? Okay, so it's, 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 it, answer me this. Seriously. Would the story have been any less accomplished by not laying it on so thick that there was probably some uh, inappropriate stuff going on with these two or at least the implication? Uh, I mean, really, did, did it make the story better? Would it have okay. not been as good if they weren't making it like... <laughs> these these two had a had a fling. I mean, You're I think a, they did it. I think they did you, it. I, that's just where I'm at. I think it's a oh, just probably. Yeah. But let's let's get something straight. You're assuming we're operating under the same premise of your statement, which that which is that the story is accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh the, the story do you want to open this can of worms with bbj because narissa's and, and his relationship is not the worst part of this fucking show lay, lay it on me watney lay, lay it on me tell, tell me Look, how... i have talked so much about how bad picard is that i'm not going to do it anymore i'm just not it's, i want I'm the table it. slap no i want i want the table slap how <laughs> how was the okay. storyline made better by strongly implying that Nerissa and Narek were doing some question, naughty games. Your original question was, was it would it not have been as accomplished as if they wouldn't have had it in there? Would, would it, to my, did it add my question is my my say <laughs> it is what it is, man. It just is what it is. It's like it, the story is already so convolutedly weird and like the characterizations of people are so out of pocket for what you expect, not just on a Trek show. It's like, sure, I'm okay with cussing. I don't give a shit. I'm okay with violence. I don't give a shit. But when you start adding stuff in to make sense during one scene, then not addressing that the next scene, who cares if they have an under undertone of incest? It doesn't, that's a really weird sentence, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I'm just hearing you say is that incest is best. You're okay opinion. with incest? Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I, I did you watch and enjoy Game of Thrones, and did you ask that question? Well, I mean, let's not turn the topic on to me. Right? We're talking about <laughs> called out. This you isn't about Game me. Of Thrones, and you didn't no. pitch about it. Yes. Well, we weren't doing a Game of Thrones podcast. I didn't yes. have a chance to bitch about it. Okay. Obviously, I don't think incest is okay. okay. I obviously don't think Anakin powering up a lightsaber and <laughs> lawnmowering down a bunch of kids is okay either. But hey, this is no. a narrative, okay? But that that scene, that scene in Empire Strikes Back where Luke kisses Leia is unforgivable. I'm kidding of course um, everyone was like oh that's cute no, and then the but, next the, the next movie they're like it's like that okay at least they, at least they didn't do that to us they didn't like tilt. do that what? shit well okay, fu okay funny story let me sidebar just real quick hold on, hold on okay so george lucas at that time did not know that he was going to have luke and leia be siblings that was not that didn't come to uh, fruition until the writing of Return of the Jedi and then said, oh, okay, you know what? This would make this story tight if Luke and Leia were actually the children 
of of Darth Vader, and then oh shit! But they were kissing in the previous movie. I hope they. <laughs> Yep. They didn't know that they were Counter, siblings either. Yeah. You think Michael Shabon knew these kids were going to end up as siblings as the show progressed? I don't think Michael Shabon knew <laughs> oh, his ass elbows. Hey, so. Okay. so go back to my original point about Narek being the the narrative beating ground here. Okay. His interactions with Narissa only serve to make Narissa creepier. They don't really serve to make him any more sympathetic. You know, you kind of get a sense that he's trying to do the right thing and he's fighting through these pressures that the Talshiar and the Jat Vash have placed upon him. But mm -hmm. his interactions with Narissa, we come away from those going, damn, she's creepy. And that's what he serves as. His relationship with Soji, again, damn, he, she's being manipulated. That's right. Narek's position. And I think there's some alliteration here. Narek, Narissa, narrative. And I'm going to stick to that. Well, and I think that that could have been accomplished without her basically just uh, all up in his personal bubble, which she did several times. And here, here's the thing. And again, I'm not saying that uh, that incest is cool, but I think what would have made it just a little more palpable, just a little, is if Nerissa were the were the older sibling. She is. Yeah, doesn't she call him little brother? Does she? Does she? Okay, do I keep mixing that up? Is she the? I thought He's she was the, the younger. younger sibling. No, it's Narissa was the oldest, and okay. then Narek, and then I assume Narek may have been the youngest, depending on if there was actually another brother that died. Okay, I I just want to make sure because then at at least at that point, you've got someone who's uh, manipulating that that power of uh, being the older sibling. You know? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the whole, like, incest thing with them is, like, Dag mentioned, primarily to make Nerissa look really creepy and twisted. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, I don't... How do I don't you know that that's not a thing on... Anything. I don't think they actually did anything. I think that the creepiness is there for the sake of creepiness, and it's really more in the writing than it is in actually existing between those two characters oh i might Marissa is absolutely a a plot device to get viewers to go ah, and it worked <laughs> it was it sure worked, as hell worked it worked fantastically now i don't need to debate whether or not they actually did it that's not important to me i okay. just don't think they did okay that's fine but i don't agree okay <laughs> and i'm not saying it's a good thing that it happened i definitely think that they did though because how long has this been going on? Look how jealous she is of so She got jealous. Yes. She's well, legit jealous of her. Yes. Like she doesn't want this plan to go through. She talks about who he's fucking. Like it's that kind of stuff. It, it, it was um, yeah, it was the jealousy thing. And even though it's brother and sister, it's still like really casually weird, like whatever, like Cersei and Jamie, like But then again, it's, it's, we don't know a whole lot about Romulan culture. We've admitted that several times. We're taking um, our opinions of of that and applying it to an alien species. No, the writers are using our opinions to manipulate how we feel about it on screen. No, That's right. I know. Point. I'm talking about. I'm talking about in universe, in universe, okay. in canon. We know so little about the Romulans. In universe, that... in universe, a sociopath 
doesn't understand or regard boundaries at all and will say or do anything to get what they want, including making somebody uncomfortable. Right. Uh, and I just wanted to. I don't think but, she is that because she's... Point. Uh, Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to support you. Narek is officially Nerissa's younger brother. So Nerissa is the older okay. of the two. She definitely, like, any conversation is, like, her driven. Mm-hmm. He has to defend against her in conversation. That's the... Because he, she's like, you're going to fuck this up. I am going to go in there and just straight up torture her. And he's like, no. <laughs> um <clears throat> no and here's why and like it's like that kind of thing he yeah. has to like constantly buffer her bloodthirsty nature and i love it <laughs> i think she's extremely like she's just ruthless dude she's unapologetically ruthless yes. even to commodore O. she's like hmm fine like she doesn't like you know they have a history in this scene though you don't think that you don't re- know that they do yet Correct. And she's like acting all like um is an equal to you. She kind of is, but in Starfleet that's not how that works. Anyway. Well you're right, but they were in they were in a room alone. So I mean that's they weren't they didn't have to stand on Starfleet formality. I, I know, but we didn't know that. You're yet. right. Yep. So we're that like, oh, what the fuck is this bitch doing talking to us? <laughs> like, you better not talk to a superior officer like that. Who, do you, who are like, you? I God, her voice is like silky butter. <laughs> the ears. fact like, that our first introduction to her is in uniform, and we only see her in uniform one more time holographically talking to Merrick. Um, there's a history there of her operations on Earth, and that would be interesting to explore in a book or an upcoming season just to see, you know, what was she doing and does she set anything else in motion? And because we know at the end of Picard, she doesn't make it. Were there things that she had planned as safeguards or fallbacks in the event that she didn't return from a mission? Mm. It's just interesting to, to, think, to speculate on. Um, but we know she had no problem, comparatively speaking, tr- uh, stomaching the admonition while the other initiates uh, killed themselves or were driven completely insane. That's a very low percentage of success to get people into the Jat Bosch. That's, that's a very high bar for membership right there. Yep. Oh my gosh, she's so pretty. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, Watney, do you think that Nerissa is prettier as, well, I'm sorry, not, not Nerissa, um, that the uh, uh, Peyton list portraying this character uh, as a Romulan or as a human in regards to, I mean, I think, I think as a, yes, as a human, she's attractive, but something about as a Romulan, she's there's something about the Romulan. It's like, Holy shit. I honestly, she's just, uh, she just is she, she looks attractive. Like if, That's it. She I looks, don't know anything else I don't to know. say. She, it, knows, but. She, she looks like if she, if she tells you to do something, you're going to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I will do it with bells on and in cursive. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever she needs. Yep. <laughs> it will happen. <laughs> um, she's, I mean, obviously they picked the perfect person yes. for this role. And I'm perfect. just extremely sad 
that we are presumed to believe she is dead. I mean, would I like thought... to say she's not absolutely because you don't see her physically die. You see her fall out into a cavern. She falls <laughs> she into a chasm and saying she's not. Are you one of those people know. that's like Mace she's Windu is probably still alive? Season one or oh, like, come on. She I, I would be, I would rather have her if I fell alive, off this table. And then she's like, I'm going to bust out Narek from the Federation. And then they show up later. How no, cool would that be? No, no bullshit. If I fell off this table, it would hurt like hell. She went flying off a, a chasm. You're one of those. Yeah, Mace Windu might still be alive because we didn't see him make contact with the ground. 290 stories down money right now do you want to put on her coming back and busting Narek out of federation custody really do you have do you have to see every person who falls down something like make contact with the ground to know that they're it was a freaking like if it was they're literally in a knife fight if it was and any more than two stories to kick up. her off of a ledge instead of stab her narratively. Okay. I think there's a reason for that. No, there's not. They want the loose end. Yes, they do. Kicked they want off. to be able to say. Unless that drop was, was any less than, say, like a two-story building. Forget about it. You don't know what she has in her pocket. I mean, shit. Not a parachute. You really don't. Be the only thing that would have saved her ass on the fall, and I know she didn't have that, or a large no. pillow. Grapples. Grapples. She has, now she's fucking Batman. Dag can't, can't see. Can't read that. The, the the lights reflecting off her post-it note. Just Sorry. say it. I mean, you gotta. Palpatine did it. I'm turning. I'm turning off the feed. Where's okay? Where's thank the deck? How many Come times? On. Why do you? Why are you gonna bring up the Palpatine thing? Yes. Okay. You. How many Fuck. times in narrative history have we seen a character fall off a cliff and then come back? Fucking. Aragorn did it. Aragorn did it. Indiana Jones did it. It's a yes. Those are main characters too, and they may have more plot armor, sure. But I think that the writers were like, we want to leave this open in case that she comes, in case we want to bring her back. And Narek isn't dead either. He's in Federation custody, so I would think it would be really cool to bring them back at some point. Can't believe you wrote Palpatine did it. You did that to me a couple episodes ago too. Yeah. I'm sorry to yell. I'm just. I feel very strongly that she was one of the better parts of the. No, that's fine. I like it when you yell. Of the se- of the season, I know. It's good. It's good conversation. No, we don't have don't to agree on everything. That. I don't mm-hmm. argue with that because in Dungeons and Dragons, I have a strict policy, and and players learn that if they don't see the bad guy die, the bad guy will come back. Okay. We didn't see Narissa die. We saw her fall down into the bottom of a board queue. How far she fell, how well trained she is. Could she have grabbed onto something, dislocated a shoulder, and pulled herself up onto a railing? Oh, hell yeah. She gets really super fucking injured, misses out on the fight, but she's alive. And she gets her shit back together. And she finds another Jot Vosh somewhere or something. She shows up up next season half assimilated. I will concede this point be because cool. writers yeah. in the past have, have felt have, have, have felt the uh, you know in the need to the only one who has actually died is Mufasa. Right. <laughs> okay. No, don't do that. Play don't the sound get clip. Put no! the sound clip in post. <laughs> Brother, <can't. laughs> help me. I can't. It brings back too many memories. 
Long live the king. <laughs> no! You're right. Because there right. has been precedent set of if you don't see them die on screen, that 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 gives the writers the trope of bringing them back. Fine. Yep. Look, but I'm okay, not I'll happy with this. that. If I dag Big J yes. fell off a cliff, we dead. <laughs> We did a shit. We ain't got no plot <laughs> armor. Have, but Narissa <laughs> fucking took a knife, a little baby knife from her belt, mm -hmm. was looking at one person and threw it, and it landed precisely in the right place to kill a man. Okay? She is a uber capable. Like Rafi. Okay. Well, Rafi's like intelligence and charisma is off the charts, but Narissa is like, I am our, I'm the personification of our, I am very badass. <laughs> <laughs> like that is her entire personality, right. but I love it. I think she's great. She's unapologetically herself. She's on her mission. She has work to do. And then we're, we're showing clips right now on our YouTube of um, her and Ramda. That's the name. Yes. Monty of Ramda. Auntie Ramda, so maybe we can talk a little bit about this was one of the more interesting moments where you get to see a a, a glimpse of the softer side of Narissa. She walks away from this like a total badass, totally adopting her true self or the self that we get to see for the rest of the series. But here she is legitimately connected to this woman who raised her and Narek. And obviously groomed her for Talshiar and eventually Jat Vash recruitment. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's just one of those scenes that you need to give a sense of Romulanity to a villain. I wanted to use the word humanity there, but you know, she's a Romulan. Um, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it just makes her a skosh more sympathetic but not much because she is a cold-blooded killer i think that she is very sympathetic because of the nature of um her motivations mm -hmm. like and re really they're the the, the villains in the show have the ultimate mo motivation which is to prevent the apocalypse whatever by whatever means necessary there's no persuading them out of that i mean it's like this is gonna happen and we're going to stop it for the betterment of all organic life we're stopping this cycle and it's really hard to argue with that it is um and um but of course, Picard is like, eh, well, Picard the character. He's like, we can we can still have the hopeful future without everyone without the synth suffering for it. Um, and so, you know, the Javash didn't really think about making friends with the synths instead of causing them, you know, like meeting them. Like the whole thing with beautiful flower and Jana, is it Jana? Jana, whatever. Jana, 
like the Javash could have befriended them as Starfleet officers um, and either decided that they realized that these sins were fine, there wasn't going to be conflict, we can usher them in with the rest of humanity, or um, they just kill them all that way many years earlier and there's no story. Would that have been the smarter thing to do? Maybe, but in this instance that didn't happen and so Nerissa is still up against like think about how many Romulan generations have gone into like this whole thing like she's like the final spear point she's the point of the spear that they've been honing for like generations to do this one job well so let me let me throw this out to you guys uh, because Watney raised a good point um I wonder if they're not going to take that chance. They're not going to take that chance, take that risk of befriending them. And the reason that I say that is because I believe that through some means or another, the Tal Shiar and then turning that information over to the Zat Vash, but there was, there was information that was gained in regards to uh, data on the Enterprise Think of all the times that Data single-handedly took over the ship. It, it basically, no one could stop him. The things that he was able to do and able to accomplish. And this was against friends and colleagues. Think about the time that he was uh, he was taken over by the, um, uh, what was the thing? You remember the, uh, the, the spirits that took over Data, Troy, and O'Brien? And yeah. they, uh, okay, so... You, you take all those instances of data being controlled somehow or another and how easily it is for this one synth to take control of a, of a starship like that. Do you think that any of that somehow found its way to Romulan intelligence, Tal Shiar, Zat Vash, and, and basically it was, look, look, look at this synth that all these people, he's a Starfleet officer. They, they all know and love. And even, even insurrection. I mean, look, look at the, all the damage he caused when he got, got shot activated. and suddenly, yeah. And, and activated. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm thinking that they, they get the stuff and it's, it's like friend, friendship negotiation. That's off the table that you, you cannot trust synthetic life because even if you befriend them, it is, this is still possible. They can still do these things and look at what this synth Starfleet officer was able to accomplish and was able to do. And, and that was amongst friends and, and colleagues. So look what happened on Mars, right? Look, look, well, but Mar Mars was an inside job. Even if it was an inside job, the synths were hacked just like data was right. So right. Your organics can be brainwashed. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just saying that there is, in my opinion, there's no way that trying to be friendly or negotiating with, with synth or to get to know them is even on the table. They've just not for the job. Bosh. No, they're, they're too, they're too dangerous. Well, but, but see, then here's the thing though, uh, uh, Watney, I think being brainwashed and being, being hacked, if you're a synth are, are very different. I, I think you, you brainwash uh, a human 
pit that against data getting hacked, who's more dangerous? That this person with a positronic brain that can do, you know, all these calculations in a in a second, a, a living computer. Um, a person being brainwashed is not going to be as big a threat as essentially this, this uh, super, almost a super being, super intelligence getting hacked, you're screwed. So no, they're, they're not taking any chances there. And while I take your point, I want to take a side second here to remind our listeners that, you know, if the brainwashed person knows data's off button, data is out for the count, just like he was in the game, TNG. Mm-hmm. But back to our discussion. Yep. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm recording. That was good stuff. Yep. Yep, it was good. It's good. Sorry, I didn't mean to spend so much time on this one with this one give plan. No, I mean it's, it's important because we're talking about, you know, Nerissa's deeper motivations and connections. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice to think about, you know, if the Jatvash were truly invested in ending the potential threat of the sense, you would think that they would explore every option available to them up to and including peaceful diplomatic resolution. But given that the fact that they're Romulans, obviously this does not come into their mind. They're in it's not part of their background and culture. It isn't. And it's unfortunate that that's the case, but it does make them a perfect candidate for this operative system. Mm-hmm. So, well, and as we found out, members of the Jat Baj have to be detached from those kinds of connections. Um, even in the scene here, in the you know, we're showing you know sequences where Narissa is on her rampage in the cube, where she's just willy nilly mowing down Borg. She didn't try to negotiate. She just was like, "I, re- you, you repel me, and I'm gonna kill you all." And that was just like a microcosm of what she would have done to the Sith planet if she had had the opportunity to class it. Yes. Uh-huh. Shall we talk about Narissa and Hugh? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Narissa and Hugh. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people were upset that such a, a royal guest star would get the axe in two or three episodes. Um, totally within Narissa's character to do that and and to show the audience, yeah, the, the she means business, yo. She will kill everyone on the show if she can. So yes, give her the chance; she will do it. <laughs> um. Was was this executed well? Right. Pun not intended. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think it was yes, and I I know that there tends to be uh, some some issues that that fans have had with with Hugh uh, getting getting killed and. Here's what I have to to say about it. If it's going to happen by anyone's hands, um, I don't think there's anyone as as evil as Nerissa uh, in this entire first season. 
um, who would who would do that. But here's the other thing that we shouldn't lose sight on is that Hugh was a character that was in three episodes of the next generation. Um, there was Iborg was his introduction. And, um, a couple seasons later you had descent part one and two. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then that was it. Now we just happened to get this series and they bring the character back in a way that makes sense. There are not many characters out there, especially ones that were uh, part of, I don't want to say minor character, but was just in that, that Q has been in a lot more. We don't know if we're going to see him again, but yet you've got this character that we were able to get closure on, which to, to start someone like that, uh, that character in the 90s and now in, in 2020 to have that come full circle that's that's big and we shouldn't lose sight of or or be uh, be upset or disappointed of of Hugh's fate i think just the fact that we got to see this character from beginning to end after this 20 plus year span think about it that's that's actually not bad at all i i cannot think of any other characters in any show that were not a main character that got that kind of treatment. I mean, out of however many episodes of uh, uh, Next Generation there were, let's see, seven seasons, 24, 26 episodes a season. So, 176 um, episodes. Okay, 176. So out of 176 episodes, Hugh w- was in three. Three. No, wait a minute. No, I'm... Um. He wasn't in Descent, part one. Oh, okay. Well, that that might be a technicality, but yeah. Um, I'd have to. I, I I can see the scenes that he that he was in, but we understand the point that you're trying to make. Yeah, yeah. I think it was two. It was two two episodes out of 176. And he gets brought back later. Right. I mean, that's that's pretty significant. Especially what he loved. Right. I mean, protecting the XBs and telling a. Romulan bitch to fuck off, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, and he spent. He actually died years. hiding behind a corner, but he really. <laughs> but he spent thirty years doing a lot of good. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and... I think like where we see Hugh, Hugh was honestly. Let's okay. Let's be honest. He was a very minimal character. Yes. In TNG. He was in TNG, which for a lot of people is like, you're the fucking god," you know, mm-hmm. like, and I get that. Very minimal character, but a very relevant character to bring back to have in this position. I'm glad they thought of him. I'm glad he was available. I'm glad he was in the role. He did a fantastic job. He really sold Hugh. He loved like him seeing Picard again, like a wonderful, wonderful moment. And it means more to have him like to have Narissa. It means it's like, you know, when Worf gets told no so much. Narissa's the actual threat. So have her have the plot armor to kill someone from TNG elevates her villainry. Correct. Um, you know, and she does it. Look at her like acting though. Like she's just so on point. And 
it sucks to see, but they were great in their scenes together. They sold. I'm sure. She, yeah, it they was, sold it. Absolutely. Sold. I'm sure she walked around that cube, you know, or met him a couple times as a Starfleet officer. I don't know. I'm I'm sure they were acquainted before this. Right. Um, yeah, I think you're right. But so right, I, I think yeah. if if there's the way the way they did it was as as well as you could with the, the story and the circumstance and reminding yourself that this is a character that was in two out of 176 episodes of next generation. Yep. It's a, it's a treat that he, he was even back in a, a, a story and setting that was relevant. What's really interesting is that that is not necessarily a first for Trek. Mark Leonard and Jane Wyatt only appeared in the original series one time out of 69 episodes. And while Sarek was brought back for movies three, four, six, and two episodes of The Next Generation, uh, Jane Wyatt reprised her role as Spock's mother in Star Trek IV. Yes. 20 years later. Yep. So I think it's cool that Trek has set the precedent for sticking with their original actors when they can. Right, right. I, I think it was uh, 72 episodes of uh, TOS, if, if I'm not mistaken. I'll look that up while you're talking about the, the next thing. 79, I think. 79. Jesus, I was where? Where did I get 72? You said 69. Oh, I think it was actually 79, my bad. Yep. Um, so, yeah, she she just walks in and she trounces all over Hugh's playground and then sort of as a side note while she's fighting Elnor kills Hugh which just hits home as a fan and you know Hugh does have that sort of culty status as a big event in Star Trek The Next Generation even though he was just in those two episodes it hits home as wow here's this guy that we've all sort of grown this you know sort of hero worship for what he did in TNG mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And he gets killed as a side note. It's featured, but she's not going after him. There's no cool struggle. It's just, I'm going to throw this pin in your neck and disappear. Harsh. Yeah, very harsh. Supposed to be harsh. Now, we have filled our discussion today with Narissa and Narek and how creepy and uncomfortable they make us. What else can we tread out here? It's been said. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you know, we thoroughly. Point, yeah, uh, you know, she she communicates with him via hologram, and it's creepy. She communicates with him in his office, and it's creepy. She does this weird thing where she like chokes him out, but then seconds later she's hugging him. It's it's bizarre. still creepy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and if you're just listening to us on audio, we have some gifts here of. You know, Nerissa looking at him longingly with these eyes, but then at the same time speaking in a tone that's just totally, I hate you, wrapping her claws around his throat, giving him a hug. It is a hug that lasted too long. It is so bizarre. It is so bizarre. Um, and and the fact that it is bizarre and we took that away means I think that whether or not I agree with the writer's intent here. They they got their point across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they wanted to make you uncomfortable, 
during 100% of their two scenes together that they, they did it. Yeah. Well, well done. Writers. If the writers Mm -hmm. wanted this to be a a nice rosy relationship, they did not bring that across the screen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful for it. It was actually interesting. Yes. Yes. Interesting relationship with conflict and tension and, underlying motives that were obviously there and nuance mm-hmm. um and though it was incestual yeah i still appreciate it yeah so yeah so it it's it it happened you know that happened so they the well, writers went the there end, and we got it and then we have the the best the best girl on girl fight that i've ever seen <laughs> I I think this yeah this was a, a really execute well executed if brief fight between Nerissa and Seven. There were some scenes I would have liked to have seen that I've mentioned in previous podcasts, but uh, basically Seven walks in with a gun and Nerissa disarms her, starts a fight, and pisses Seven the fuck off. Oh yeah seven seven uh knocks her down the shaft can you imagine if seven had been killed by narissa oh no that was not that now that's sacrilege that's going yes too far. i knew as soon as seven walked in narissa was done <laughs> right yes because yes. narissa has so like little plot armor compared to seven i was like it's <laughs> it's over for my fave and it's sad you i thought for i thought they were gonna like hopefully like yeah i don't know join together <laughs> or something like hey come join our cause seven straight up admits later in the show after this that she regrets killing her so you know that to me tells me that she might come back well and you're not going to uh, kill off hugh and seven of nine Uh uh-uh that that wasn't happening narissa there is no plot armor thick enough for a character to have uh, to pull that off they killed picard come on now I mean, yes yeah, and no. I know. Why do you do this? Why do you do this? You know you're trying to. You know you're baiting me, and it worked <laughs> every time. Trying to pull me into that discussion, and save it for. I know it feels wrong for me to say it. I know it sucks to hear it, but we've been around and around about it. And when you look at it, that Picard we loved is dead. He's dead. So seven, you better fucking watch your back. That's all I can say, because they'll come for you. They will. These writers will come and get you. They're coming for you, and they'll kill you on a concrete slab <laughs> while they're at it. You know, it dawns on me that there is another interpretation to this—the way this scene could have gone. Okay, that I haven't really considered before, but. We know that the cube that Seven bonded with was shut down because Ramda had shared the admonition with the drones. So Seven should have picked up the admonition when she connected to the cube. And it would have been interesting if she walks out here with this gun, but instead of starting a fight, she's like, I know about the admonition. What do we need to do? Oh my God. Oh my God. Insane. Well, but no, remember what you, what you said 
when we were talking about that uh, dag a few episodes back was that uh, the the firewall thing. <laughs> we, we've lost Whitney. Uh, re- remember what you were what you were saying about uh, kind of the the firewall effect that yeah, the no, information I, kind of it all happens within probably milliseconds or seconds, but it goes to the queen before getting handed down to the drones. And you were saying that um, when when Ramda was assimilated and that knowledge was assimilated, that's, you know, the queen was just like, nope, done, fake news, cut off that cube, that, that's it. And so Seven would not have known about it interfacing with that cube because that information never w- was not, that bulk email didn't happen. I mean, this is all my speculation. So, I mean, it didn't happen in the show anyway, but right. it just you... would have been interesting if that had happened that way. Right. No, okay. you are correct that the entire reason that that fucking cube was lingering out there on its own, supposedly, was because Ramda who had been through the admonition and gone nuts from it was in such despair that the knowledge of the admonition to the larger collective forced them to cut the tie on that cube. Mm-hmm. That is the reason we were given by Narissa. Now the writers don't go into any more detail about that. That's the, it, she could be lying she could be assuming she could be thinking like the admonition. Oh my God, holy shit. It's such a big fucking deal. Yeah. You know, like, and obviously it is if it makes these people go insane. Mm-hmm. Um, the cube has that knowledge within it, within its program. I see no reason why seven does not know the admonition. It's if not more explicitly than Gerardi knows the admonition. Yeah. Well, and like in my own little head canon there, seven does learn the admonition and it's because she learns it that she reaches out to Picard to say, you need to know the truth of the admonition. It's not what the organics say it is. It's not what the synthetics say it is. It's what, it's literally a fusion of what they're saying it is. Yeah, and it would have been really great if like there was a conversation about it with them beforehand. And maybe like they almost come to an agreement but they can't agree on the thing that makes Romulan so different, which is the violent tendencies. Or at least Nerissa's violent tendencies. Not that Seven doesn't have violent tendencies now. In fact, she has a lot of violent tendencies, and I could even see them lingering on that together. Like, oh, maybe Seven starts to think of, like, more in the collective mindset that, like, the Borg way of, like, the greater good, the greater, you know, outcome. Yeah. And she's like, she had just assimilated. No, wait, she hadn't at that point, did she? She already did during this fight. What am I thinking? Um so maybe they have like a conversation about that, but you know, if we don't even get Narek his ending at the at the end of the show because of editing reasons, then I doubt that they had time or maybe even the thought to film that kind of conversation. Once again, it's yep. just a disappointment in how the everything was screenboarded and like yeah, the, the storyboarded the tying and... up the things. We always get to this point in in our character assassination. We do. Where we really enjoyed a lot of the things we saw on the screen, but when it comes to the end, the way they tied things together was more or less dissatisfying. 
to different degrees, of course, mm-hmm. and on different subjects. But there are several things that we think could have been done better in universe from a narrative perspective and uh, to the audience from a representational perspective. So that is how the replicated cookie crumbles. Yep. <laughs> Any last thoughts on Narek uh, and Narissa? Nothing from me. If they are a season one thing, I will say I do have one thing. Um, if they are a season one thing, that saddens me. The door is open for them to return. I hope we see them in a different capacity now that the fight is over in the future. That is all. It would be cool. Yeah. Next for, time. For oh, me, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say, for me, I, I think that uh, I'm not as hopeful as Watney is in regards to their return. Sure, there are, there are doors that are open for, uh, for, for one or either to, uh, or both to come back in some capacity. I just, I don't see how or why, what purpose that would serve. It, it, it seemed like, uh, in regards to this story that their characters were, were all in on their involvement with the admonition and, to me, I see this as a storyline that was that this was first season. That was it. Uh, each season after that, I think it's going to be its own self-contained thing, and that they're not going to bring back bring back a thread. Uh, and for for what reason would there be? Now, I could be wrong, and we we could you know we may see them see them again. I just don't see the reason why or or what what any story would serve with that. Uh, And that's, that's just, that's just my thought. Uh, They, the, uh, the, the, the two themselves, I think um, having them being the, the, the villains was a, was a good call. Uh, The way they were, they were written and portrayed served the purpose of, uh, we're going to going to make this uh, very uncomfortable. These these scenes, uh, something that you're going to remember. So you're not going to forget the interactions that they had. They are not. Neither one of them were mustache twirling villains. Uh, I I kind of compare them and their role in the admonition to if uh, it, anyone out there probably follows any of the Marvel movies to uh, to Thanos. Um, he truly believed that his, his quest to eliminate half of the life in the universe was just all about the, uh, the economics and the math. You have a finite amount of resources to extend those resources and have more for all if you cut the population by half, then that means you have, you have that. So it's, it's a simple math of, of the, of the thing. And it almost made you feel like it was, it was the Avengers that were the, the bad guys because they're trying to, they're trying to stop a guy that's, you know, wanting to, wanting to, to extend 
the longevity of, of these resources. And sure, we might not like how he's, how he's doing it, but if you look at it on paper and, and you take uh, your, your resources or, or this and it's finite and the amount of, of people, you decrease that by half and there will be less consumption of that finite amount. Well, the answer is yes. Yes, that's right. If, if you, if you have the population, then that, that lasts longer. And then we come to, to Narek and, and Narissa and as far as they have seen and that they interpret is that synthetic life will be the end of organic life. And that is how they're going about it. They're, they are going about it because in their minds, it is, it's, it's us or them. Synthetic life will eliminate organic life all in the, in the galaxy. And we have to stop that. So when you look at it on paper, to me, it feels like it's a noble cause. Okay. You've seen this, this vision of, of the future and they're certainly, uh, and, and they're not off base. So let, let's think about the, uh, the, the, the evidence that backs up that claim. Uh, Starfleet in the, uh, the mid 2200s got a little too cute with artificial intelligence. And that's where we got control and control. Uh, and that was discovery season two. And <clears throat> basically what happens in what would have happened in the future, there's uh, control eliminated everything, like everything, all living life gone. So, so there's that. Uh, anytime that we play around with, uh, synthetic life forms, you've, you've got androids like data take control of ship. No problem. Uh, there there's, there's just, there've been, there had been precedent set precedent set. Oh, um, V'ger, I mean, V'ger artificial life. Now, sure. It would have just been earth that would have been destroyed and, and you know, Romulans clans probably would have thought, oh, sucks to be you. But again, that is what well, twice V during the whale probe. So there, there are just several cases where something artificial caused a lot of damage or could have eliminated organics, uh, the Borg also. So basically these these two and and their mission what they're doing now how they carried it out may have been a little questionable uh kind of this you know this uh, uh getting under getting uh, soji's on her on her nice side to get the location but if you think about it if they believe that these uh, synthetic life will kill all organic life you see it in this this vision you've seen it happen firsthand you you've seen how close uh, uh research into this has almost led to that i believe in their mind they think that this is a noble cause that we need to do this but no one's going to listen to us because especially once we get to the federation they're all all about 
well, let's talk about this. And, you know, they're, they're people, they're, uh, uh, you know, uh, intelligent, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They were not, never going to play ball. So they, they had, they had the best interests of the galaxy and of the people in mind. And it almost for some brief moments made you think, okay, they're doing what's right. But the people trying to stop them are the ones that are risking the the all all life in the galaxy. So, to me, that is a good portrayal of an antagonist, or at least a, a portrayal of an, uh, an antagonist that I like is when you 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 look at it, you look at their thought process and the the data that they have, not literally data, uh, as the the uh, Android, but the, the information they have that actually backs up their claim of this is what's going to happen. And it, it kind of makes you think, yeah, maybe, maybe they could have been right. You know, this, they're, they're not trying to destroy something for the sake of its destruction. They're trying to save lives. When you, when you really think about it, Narek and Narissa are trying to save all our asses and the people that are trying to stop them are going to be the ones that will be the key to our downfall. That's what I think. Yeah, that's why I think they're sympathetic for sure. Mm -hmm. They're 100% sympathetic villains. And it, when the stakes are as high as they are in the show and your villain is trying to stop those stakes, yeah, you're more, I'm more sympathetic to them, frankly. Well, can we I even mean, call them villains? Yeah, because they're they were black and they walk around sulking. That's what that's why they're the villains. I just kept calling them antagonists. I didn't really know whether they fell into that villain category. I think Narissa definitely does. Um, she takes her job a bit seriously, but still, not not a villain. I think antagonist fits better. Think, what what is the ultimate goal? That's the thing. I think I, for the I ultimate think they goal. They were both convicted for sure. Yes. Yeah. We got you. Yes. The the Joker is a villain. He's a villain. He's he's not out trying to save any any lives or or anything. He's a villain. Thanos is an antagonist. He he's doing something that he believes in his mind is for the greater good, but the way you've got to do it sucks, but it's what has to happen. Narek and Narissa, antagonists. They're they're doing this to save the lives of people that are don't know too ignorant to know or to understand so yeah that's what we got yep yeah well next time on beyond trek which one are we going to do next yeah who are we going to do next episode uh i mean we don't have a whole lot left i was thinking that we would do an expose on the on dodge soji and the synths on synth world oh okay okay just take take all the synth collectively because well we have that we have all the all the synth and then that will then take us to our to our ultimate character assassination is then going to be jean-luc picard that's no not about intended. The, what's that no assassination intended <laughs> right character assassination <laughs> and rebirth yeah all right um so for anyone so... that's still sitting here listening to us uh yeah yeah come come for the the next episode the next uh 
character assassination, we're going to just take uh, Soji, Dodge, Sutra, all the synth, and that whole mm-hmm. that whole line, and just assassinate the hell out of all of them. Yeah, I, w- I can't wait to talk more shit. So, <laughs> um, yeah, check us out. Um, coming coming episodes, we'll be wrapping up our Picard series. And uh, then we'll have some more content coming your way, of course, truck related. Um, I'm going to tell you where you can find us online. Uh, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash beyond Trek. We would love your support there. There's lots of fun, cool tiers there, um, a lot of which involve interacting with us. So um, check us out on Patreon first and for- foremost. If you'd like to tweet at us or have a conversation on Twitter, we are at Beyond Trek Pod on Twitter. And then we, of course, have Facebook, facebook.com slash Beyond Trek Productions. And uh, recently, I wanted to point this out real quick. So recently there was a, a blog post that came out, top 60 Star Trek podcast to follow in 2020. Uh-huh. <laughs> Beyond Trek Podcast number 11. Yes. And if you're listening to us still at the end of the episode, we have you to thank for that. So thank you so much for the support. Um, I know I cannot, cannot overstate how, how grateful I am that you listen to us and keep coming back. 100%. Yes. We could not do this without you. No, we, we couldn't, we couldn't. You're and our crew. We, we may even, uh, have a tier on patreon that would be a date with watney i mean what would, would that be like the commodore's tier the admiral tier or uh no it's me. It's, it's it's the dag tier it's not watney it's me oh the dag okay how about, how about a group date that would yes. be fun you can have a group date with us on zoom uh oh jay yeah that cook. would be fun jay's gonna cook oh i'm gonna cook hey i can cook it I can cook. There's like three or four different things I can cook. And then we're going to order Uber Eats and Jay will come deliver. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Thank you. And tune in next time to Beyond Trek Podcast. Bye. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day.